Welcome, I am Bree. I'm a doctor of physical therapy, the founder of Femme Fusion Fitness, and the author of Lady Bits, Understand Your Body, Elevate Your Health, and Reclaim Your Spark Naturally. My mission is to build community and awareness around women's wellness and pelvic health. I invite you to listen, laugh, learn about, and love all of the bits that make you whole. Let's go to the show. Hello, my friends. Welcome to another amazing interview. And I want to just preface this one because this interview is about pessaries, which is probably most interesting to somebody who has prolapse. And I know that the last few episodes have been really, really tailored toward prolapse. And not everybody has that as their pelvic health concern. So if you are listening and you do not have prolapse, I really encourage you to just listen to this episode for interest's sake. I think that you'll you'll find that so many women do have prolapse, and so there may be somebody in your life who might need this information, who you could share it with. So even if pessaries are not a part of your path, um, take a listen anyway. You're going to learn a lot. And this is really kind of a cool follow-up, too, to the last few episodes that we had. So the last two episodes were with Kim Bopney. And in those episodes, we talked about surgery and the path that Kim took toward deciding to actually go for surgery and then what the surgery was like to repair her rectocele. Now, in this episode, we're talking about a conservative treatment option for prolapse, which is pessary use. And so you're going to learn all about pessaries. Um, Basically, pessaries are something that you insert vaginally to help support your organs. And Michelle is Michelle Lyons is the person I'm interviewing. She is a physical therapist with over 26 years of clinical experience, and she is absolutely incredible. She teaches all over the world. She teaches the teachers, so she teaches physical therapists. Um, she's taught me. I've gone through um, her some of her courses, and she is absolutely a light in the world of advocating for women. She absolutely believes and stresses all the time that women deserve better health care. And so I want you to check out her website. I will put it in the show notes below, but you're going to love listening to her. She has just great information. She tells it like it is, and I love her. So <laughs> I think you're really going to enjoy this interview. We do a rapid fire Q&A about pessaries, whether or not they're appropriate for long-term use if they can be used during pregnancy, how to clean them, can you have sex with them? I mean, we really get into everything. And so, like I said, please do listen for you or for a friend or a family member who may need the information as well. And before we get to the interview, I want to quickly let you know that this episode is brought to you by my LIFT pelvic organ support series. My LIFT method is a method that I have been honing and crafting literally over the last 13 years when I developed my own mild prolapse. And I came up with a treatment plan for myself that I never knew would ultimately become a program for women all over the world to help them with their prolapse. So if you are looking for conservative treatment measures for prolapse, in other words, if you're wanting to try you know, something besides surgery first, good for you. <laughs> That's always the way to start is conservative treatment measures first. So, you know, contact a women's health physical therapist, check out my lift program, which you can do at home on your own. It's 
awesome for that. And then again, tune into this podcast because we're going to be talking about pessaries, which is an option that's a conservative, non-surgical option for prolapse. So without further ado, check the show notes and listen to this amazing interview with Michelle Lyons. Okay, Michelle, I have introduced you to my crew and we are ready to dive into this really, really important Q&A. We are going to do rapid fire style. So let's just go ahead and start off with the first question, which is the importance of getting fitted and exploring different options and sizes of pessaries. Is it a one and done thing or do they need to explore options? So the way I like to think about it is it's kind of like wearing a sports bra or even a pair of shoes. You know, if you just go into a random shoe shop and take a random pair of shoes off the shelf, they might fit you, but they might not. And if they're too small or they're too big, how comfortable and how happy are you going to be? So for me, the gold standard is really going to somebody who has some expertise in, you know, there's over 20 different types of pessary. So going to someone who knows about the different types of pessary, who knows about the different sizes that each type comes in, who looks at your history, because maybe, for example, you've had damage to the deeper layer of your pelvic floor muscles and you don't have that shelf of muscle to support, say, a ring pessary um, and maybe a space occupying pessary like a cube would be better for you. But too many times I just I hear of so many women who go and they're if they're going to their GP or their gynecologist and they're just being told let's try this pessary it's it's usually you know a ring pessary it might be silicon it might be like a rigid PVC and if that doesn't work they're being told that pessaries are not for you then mm-hmm. and again that's like saying if uh, a size three pair of shoes doesn't fit me then shoes are not for me <laughs> you know well you know if if I try on a pair of shoes in my size chances are that's going to be a lot more comfortable than shoes that are too small or too big. It's, it's not one size fits all, you know, everybody has a a different history, but also a different body. And to be aware of that, I think is really, really important. And to have, to have a provider who's willing to spend the time, who's going to fit you properly, who's then maybe going to send you out and about. So you can go for a walk around, you can jump up and down, you can do some squats you can make sure that you can empty your bladder efficiently. Um, that really is, is gold standard treatment as far as I'm concerned. And one last little soapbox mention here as well. If you go to your doctor and he says, oh, no, pessaries are just for old, old ladies. They are not for you. Yes. This, this happens all the time. And I'm telling you, I've had multiple people tell me that, that their provider has said, oh no, that's exactly what you said. It's not for you. They automatically take the decision out of even your hands. And so please continue. But I just wanted to highlight that happens a lot. Yeah. It does. It, yeah. it happens too much because, mm-hmm. you know, what will we know? There's some research now. there's not a huge amount of research in it, but that might also be driven by the fact that pessaries are not a huge money-making Um, venture for for any large pharmaceutical or surgical uh, outfit. But there is evidence to suggest that particularly in the first 18 to 24 months postnatally, that there's a huge amount of tissue remodeling that can happen. There's one study that I like that specifically talks about this poor woman. She had a very significant prolapse and pelvic pain. She was 18 months postpartum um, and she had a pessary fitted and had excellent excellent conservative 
response to that. But more recent research is actually showing that with a related postnatal issue diastasis, that really that two year window, we've got this two year window where your body is recovering after having a baby, that if you optimize, if you control your controllables, one of my favorite things to say, what can we control in this situation? Nutrition, sleep, movement, stress, and really give your soft tissue the support it deserves on every level, whether that's a pestery, again, kind of like a sports bra for your organs, to hold it up there while those organ, while that connective tissue shortens, refibroses, you know, redevelop some of its tension as your hormone levels come back to normal. I think we're doing a huge disservice to postnatal mums. And maybe, you know, that's going to be a far reaching problem for them because if we keep them away from exercise, um, you know, what does that mean as they move through and beyond menopause, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of heart health and bone health and brain health? Just the, the domino effect of not adequately, I think, looking after postnatal women, the ripples could be huge. Yeah, oh, I agree. And so that actually goes into one of the questions. I think a lot of people feel like when they use a pessary, they actually can't exercise. I've had a lot of people say, can I do my exercises when I wear a pessary, when I use a pessary? And so you just answered that really right there. Go ahead and, and elaborate. But basically, I always tell people, yes, pessaries are wonderful because they are supporting everything so that you can exercise. Absolutely. But please, you know, I, I know I know quite a few women. And again, the sports bra analogy yeah. who maybe are wearing a regular bra during the day. But when they're going to exercise high impact, they wear a sports bra for extra support. And I know quite a few women who just use their pessaries for exercise and working out, you know, just to give it because they want to keep their pelvic organs where they're supposed to be. Yeah. Um, and just to take off the pressure, particularly, um, you know, doing CrossFit or, you know, lifting weights, which we absolutely do need to do as women um, in terms, again, bone, heart and brain health. Um, really, it goes beyond just lifting weights the the ramifications are are absolutely huge as we move through midlife and beyond so anything we can do to make women more comfortable doing that um we have to we have to help them get the support that they need literally yeah yeah literally exactly and running too is another great example i think of a time when people might you know definitely build up to running and weightlifting and all of these more intensive activities that we're talking about you can't just even when you have a pessary, you can't just dive right into it like you did before pregnancy or what have you. But I think that those are all great examples of activities that you could use it for. And so that does tie into another um, question that I have, which is how, like, how often do most people insert and remove the pessaries? You just mentioned inserting and removing them for exercise. Is that something most people do? I've also heard of other people who leave them in for longer periods. What are we looking at here? So the two most common types of pessary would be, you know, I'm just, I have, you know, a ring pessary and a cube pessary here. And and these would probably be the most common types. The ring pessary can be left in for three to six months, you know. Um, So you don't need to pop that in and out. Um, The cube pessary is a space occupying pessary. So it needs to be taken out every day, but it's a really easy procedure. Um, You do need to maybe use a little bit of topical estrogen cream with that just to stop any tissue breakdown. 
um, particularly postnatally or perimenopausally, maybe when estrogen levels are a little bit lower. Um, but it's not rocket science. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I think what we want to do as women's healthcare professionals is really put women back in the driver's seat of their own health and wellness. Um, So instead of being passive recipients of mechanics coming in to fix them, that we actually give women um, agency over their own health and wellness. We give them information, we get, we empower them. And, and then we, we use the available tools that are out there to help them live well. Yes, absolutely. And how does one, so obviously for the type that you are inserting and removing daily, Mm. you obviously don't need to have a healthcare provider insert that and remove that for you. You can do it yourself. Uh, How does one clean a pessary such as that? You know what? Generally soap and water. Yeah. I thought, yeah. I I mean, it's so (laughs) simple. It really is. You know, you don't want to use anything that's really harsh that will disrupt the the microbiome, the pH of the vagina and the vulva. Um, So just a really, really mild uh, soap and water, just a cleanser and water, let them air dry. And then particularly for the cube pessary, you know, we usually talk about putting a little bit of um, estrogen cream, maybe even on the cube as you're popping it back in Uh so that you're not going to get any tissue erosion or damage, you know, so they're really safe. They're really effective. They're non-invasive. They're non-pharmaceutical. And you know, (laughs) what's not to love? They're cheap and cheerful and effective. Agreeable. I agree. Absolutely. Such a great first line of defense before you explore other more, um, you know, invasive options. And so how about this question here? Can you have sex with it? Uh, let's talk about I'm obviously the cube pessary, the, the space occupying cube pessary, I would probably guess no. But the other styles of pessaries, can you have sex with them? So as I said, the two main types really that we see most commonly are the ring and the cube. And with the ring pessary, because it's lying almost flat against the wall, technically, if we're talking about penis and vagina sex, mm-hmm. you can have it in depending on the size of it. Most times that will it'll be imperceptible. If it's a very large ring, you might want to pop it out. But, you know, the the newer silicone ring pessaries are quite pliable. And I think, you know, if we're talking about those two rings and cubes, women can be taught to self-manage. There are other pessaries out there like Gellhorns, for example, that are just a bit trickier, even for sometimes for healthcare professionals to manage. So with these two pessaries, uh, space occupying, as you've said, with the cube, you'd want to take it out. Again, if we are talking about penis and vagina sex, but for other types of sexual activity, no, not necessarily. Yeah. Um, and the ring pessary is, it depends. Okay, perfect, perfect. And let's talk about um, kind of what I would consider almost like over-the-counter pessaries that you can purchase on your own versus going to a provider. Um, and this is actually a two-in-one question because I would also love to know, I know every every country and region is, is probably a bit different as far as which providers you'd even go to for a pessary. I know that in the, I believe in Australia, uh, physical therapists can fit for pessaries. Absolutely. I'm not sure what it's like in the UK. And I actually haven't been practicing in the United States for quite a long time. So do you know, first of all, which providers you'd even go to and then yeah. follow up if you, you know, what's the difference between going to a provider and then just buying something online? So let me answer the second part about buying online versus uh, going to a provider. If you go into, do you have Primark or Pennies in uh, in Germany? 
Oh yes, actually, uh huh. Okay. Do okay. they have pessaries? <laughs> no, they do. Sadly, not yet. But I'm sure they they're thinking about it. Maybe after listening to this. If you go into somewhere like Primark or like Walmart, for example, um, for your listeners in the States, and you pick up a pair of pants with an elasticated waist, okay, those pants will fit everybody. Yeah. They won't necessarily look great on everybody because they won't fit everybody well. And, you know, it's the same with online pessaries. Um, so lots of women find that they do help. But, you know, in, in the same way that I'm not a huge fan of, of using tampons as a short term pessary either when you're not menstruating, mm-hmm. they can be a little bit irritating for the tissue. And I always think, you know, let's look after our vaginas and our vulvas and treat them with a little bit of love and respect. Because if you have a little bit of, of atrophy in around the, the vaginal walls, as I said, if your estrogen levels are low, if you're perimenopausal, but especially if you're postnatal and definitely if you're breastfeeding, um, then you might need a little bit of topical estrogen to go with your pessary. Um, and the only way to, to know that is really to have a healthcare professional, you know, look and see what's going on in terms of tissue integrity. Because I would just hate for anybody to end up in a spot of bother with an infection or with tissue erosion. So my, my response would always be, yes, if you want to do a one-off experiment to see if a tampon in while you're exercising helps you, that would probably be a pretty good indication for some women that a pessary might be helpful. And that's your cue to go get, get seen. Now, there are some physios in Ireland and the UK who are fitting pessaries. Oh. Australian physios are doing it. Um, I believe Canadian physios are starting to do it as well. But by and large, um, a urogyne or just a gynecologist should be able to fit them. Some GPs are excellent at fitting them as well. So it is very much a call and see. But the difficulty is that it does take time. And so is the gynecologist slash GP being paid adequately for their time. You know, I think as physios, we're used to spending time with the women that we work with. Um, it's not like a write a prescription and one and done. You know, it, it's trying different sizes and shapes on and then maybe going out for a, a walk or a squat or see if you can go to the loo, okay? Um, so that that's a bit of a barrier. There is a movement in the US to have physios engage with providing this because after all, you know, we provide orthotics yeah. and it's really like an orthotic for your pelvic organs yeah um so i think that's an evolving situation but at the moment uh pts in the u.s do not but i think watch this space i think we're going to see more and more of that i think that will change as well so okay great perfect explanation there i'm gonna throw another question in that i uh i, I hope you know the, i i think that it might be controversial but the question is pessaries during pregnancy yes or no Probably no. That's what I've heard because of potentially introducing, um, you know, bacteria or pathogens to the vaginal. There is a higher risk of bacterial vaginosis Mm -hmm. with pessaries. Um, And you really want to avoid BV while you're pregnant because that can, that can affect, you know, preterm labor. It can affect just the entire uterine um, environment. Mm -hmm. And generally what happens is as the baby 
it gets bigger. <laughs> it's almost like an internal pessary yeah. for some women, you know, holding everything up. So it becomes less of an issue symptomatically anyway. Mm-hmm. But generally, um, no, I okay. would say not during pregnancy. Yeah. And that's what I'd heard. I'd also heard the other side that some people actually had very successfully used a pessary for the early stages of pregnancy, as you're saying mm-hmm. later, mm-hmm. the baby kind of holds everything in place anyway. But um, I think that it's definitely something to not just dive into without speaking to your provider about it, because especially those early stages of pregnancy, you want to be so careful. And so I think there's a definitely some, you know, controversy there and some things to think about. Um, I'm just super risk averse in pregnancy. Um, You know, if, if, again, if there's an alternative to that, you know, let's, let's look at all the controllables that we have for prolapse symptoms and I think just to point out that, you know, there, there is that difference between having prolapse on objective measurement, say if your physio is doing an internal pelvic exam or if, you're, if your doctor is doing it and they're seeing some dissent, not everybody with dissent has symptoms. Yeah. And I think that's really important because that's, you know, the ICS definition really encompasses those two aspects of prolapse. So we do like to talk about, you know, 50% of women in their 50s have some sort of prolapse, yeah. but not everybody is symptomatic. Yeah. And the goal would be to keep keep as many women asymptomatic as possible and stop things progressing. But just I, I don't take chances in, in pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. Um, so the next question I have for you is, are they really a long-term solution? Can they be used indefinitely? And are there any risks or dangers with long-term use? Sorry, okay, so lots no, of questions. No, there. no, absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm smiling because I always use my mother as an example when I get asked this question. So my mother and apparently as her firstborn, I am primarily responsible for her prolapse. Um, How lovely for her to tell you that. <laughs> it's the first baby who does it all, you know, who, yeah. who does all the damage, apparently. Um, so she's she's had, you know, she was having a significant issue with prolapse um, and she goes to see her gynecologist and he pops in a ring pessary and it's like boom instant relief brilliant here you go here's some topical estrogen we'll see you in six months great you know happy asymptomatic good bladder control no more back pain all good things so she goes back in six months and she sees her gynecologist and she's raving about how good the pessary is and he said well that's great so let's schedule you for a hysterectomy what? (laughs) (laughs) So she said, well, I'm just going to talk to my daughter about this first before we schedule anything. And yeah, so there really isn't as long as the the tissue integrity is good. And so again, using the the topical estrogen cream, avoiding smoking, good nutrition, you know, avoiding constipation, all those things. Um, why would you go for a hysterectomy that's going to impact again bone brain and heart health um it's it's such a casually recommended surgery yeah which is just an affront to me because you know the side effects of a hysterectomy even in a postmenopausal women are you know they're, they're not insignificant there's an elevated risk of not only bone fracture, but also coronary artery disease, premature death, Alzheimer's, lung cancer, Parkinson's, you know, it's instead of just using a pessary with a topical estrogen cream. Mm -hmm. Now the cynic in me um, is wondering 
about reimbursement levels for a surgical intervention and a hospital stay versus a little silicone ring and a couple of tubes of estrogen cream every month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think, honestly, I think in for healthcare systems everywhere, you know, it could be such a cost-saving measure in terms of avoiding surgeries for so many women yeah. if um, if we really embraced this. So the, the, the answer would be as long as the tissue integrity is good, have at it. No reason not to. Okay. And there's so many layers to that story that you shared. Uh, I think one of the biggest one is as you, as is, I think very clear not to just take for gold, what your provider says. I mean, every provider is going to be coming at you from their viewpoint, which may not be looking at all sides of the story. So it's so important to do as your mother did, you know, to kind of have a, a thought about this rather than just going, Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, that's the next step, I guess, but just having a thought about it and taking a beat and saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is that really the next best, best solution? You know, a hysterectomy, or could we continue with this? It's, it's just so important to stand up for yourself. If something doesn't yeah. feel right, even if it feels scary and your provider is saying this is the next thing you should do. Now, having said that, if it is a huge prolapse yeah. that isn't effectively managed with a pessary, yeah. you know, like at the stage four, it's it's really ginormous and it's a huge bother, then yeah, then then we can have a surgical conversation. Yeah. But let let's exhaust all the conservative management strategies first. For sure. Yeah. And there's no shame in surgery. I want to make that clear from what I just mentioned. There's no shame in it. It's just, yes, exhaust all conservative measures first. And so that leads me to another question, which is, you just mentioned, it sounds like a stage four prolapse is not going to necessarily respond as well to a pessary. Are there grades and stages that respond best? Yeah. So a stage one and a stage two, mm-hmm. um, where basically the, the organs are still inside the vagina um generally we are going to have better outcomes some stage threes maybe but generally stage one and stage two um so we're not seeing organ descent outside the vagina and again this is just like you know a a blanket statement but generally those are the ones who are going to do better with pessary slash pelvic floor muscle training intra-abdominal pressure management constipation avoidance um, once it's progressed to the point where the organs are outside the body, probably less successful outcomes, to be honest. Okay. Okay. Perfect. And do you have any tips and hints for people in how to insert it comfortably if they're going to be inserting it on their own? Um, I, you know, lying on your bed, lying in your, getting into your bathtub without any water in the tub. And um, because then the knees can rest against the sides of the bath, um, and they're supported, Um, If you're using estrogen cream, you know, then that's great because it acts as a little bit of a lubricant for for the uh, for the pessary to go in. But just take your time, you know, and don't panic. Uh, Lots of slow, deep breaths, Mm -hmm. um, because if you're anticipating pain, then your pelvic floor muscles will um, they will try and get there ahead of you and, and and tighten up. So go slow and steady. Make sure you're breathing. Um, and ideally, practice it with your provider in the office. A good pessary provider will allow you to practice inserting and removal mm-hmm. in the office so they can do any troubleshooting with you. They don't just give you the pessary and send you on your way. 
but a comfortable position where you won't be interrupted and where you can take your time. A hand mirror can often be helpful as well. Um, but just take your time and, and don't stress. Perfect. And are there any risks of long-term use of topical estrogen cream? Because I know that it can be controversial as far as like oral, yeah. oral estrogen. Yeah. So the differences really between oral hormone therapy, um, if you're taking hormone therapy orally, it's broken down by your liver and it's, it's basically affecting every cell in your body. And the other thing to remember is that there's a small but significant amount of women taking oral hormone therapy who develop stress incontinence as a result of taking the hormone therapy. Mm. Locally applied estrogen cream does not seem to have the same risks. For most women, there is very minimal systemic absorption, so much so that it's now being recommended again for women who've had breast cancer treatment again, because it was taken away as an option uh, for those women who are having um, genital urinary symptoms uh, because of their breast cancer treatment because of estrogen deprivation. But now it's back on the table again. For some women who are acutely sensitive, just even the tiny little bit of systemic absorption that happens, it's really minimal mm -hmm. and it might be too much, but there are different types of estrogen cream as well. So some are based on estradiol, which is the type of estrogen that we make uh, pre-menopausally. And it's, it's quite strong, mm -hmm. but there are other types of topical estrogen like uh, that are based on estriol, which is a very mild form of estrogen, which doesn't seem to have as dramatic effect, an effect on systemic reactions. So if one type of estrogen cream doesn't suit you, um, maybe you're developing a little bit of breast tenderness or issues like that, then ask your provider if you can try a different type of, of estrogen cream because there are options out there. But it's, it's one of those things that the research shows that if you compare topical estrogen cream and you compare to pelvic rehab, particularly for urinary incontinence symptoms, what we see again and again is that you get the best results when you combine the two approaches rather than either of them by themselves. Mm -hmm. Because the topical estrogen really helps plump up the tissues, the supportive tissues in around the openings to the perineum. Mm -hmm. And then with skilled pelvic rehab, we have the opportunity to really work on developing strength and coordination in the pelvic floor muscles, as well as good toileting, good bowel health, good lifting techniques, yeah. and then making sure that we're also doing strength training for the upper and the lower body as well. Because I was just talking about this on Facebook this morning. It's really important to remember that there is life outside the pelvis as well that's going to affect <laughs> what's happening inside the pelvis. Yeah. And if we're trying to lift something that's too heavy for us, our first reaction is usually to breath hold and bear down. So we need strong arms. If we're breath holding every time we go from sit to stand because our glutes aren't strong enough, we breath hold and we bear down. Yeah. So we really want to take a whole person approach mm -hmm. to pelvic health, but particularly to prolapse. And we're, we're looking at all those different factors um, for optimal outcomes. Yes. Oh, so well said. I, uh, yeah, I couldn't have said that better. Um, I just have one more question for you. Um, gosh, I might have two more questions. I think we've sort of covered this, but maybe not. Do they weaken or over pessaries? Do they weaken or overstretch the tissues or cause no. any irritation? You, you'd mentioned yes. about causing irritation potentially. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But how about that thought of weakening? Mm -hmm. They don't weaken the supportive tissue. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so what, what we want to try to remember is if we think about here, you know, just to, for your people who are listening, I'm, I've got a bladder and I've got a uterus and a vagina model here. So as, as pelvic rehab physios, we are really obsessed about good pelvic floor muscle strength and coordination. But what we have to remember is that there's also a connective tissue, a ligament support system as well. And the one that we're particularly interested in is the very aptly named uterosacral ligament. And it goes from the uterus to the sacrum, hence the name. So sometimes our surgical colleagues are very focused on the fascia and the ligament uh, support system. And that's where they look. And as physios, we're very focused on the pelvic floor muscles. We have to do both. So we want to be able to support from below and minimize pressure from above. Um, using a pessary is going to offload to a degree the ligaments, particularly the uterosacral ligament. Um, it's not going to weaken them. It's just going to offload them. They can become overstretched. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you are putting a foreign body into your vagina. Yeah. And when a foreign body like a pessary sits in there for a while, there can be some increased discharge because your vagina is like a self-cleaning oven mm -hmm. and it will try to just get rid of any potential irritants that are in there. So lots of women do notice a slight increase in discharge when they're wearing a pessary. And that's fine. That's the, you know, that that's unless it's a big bother to them, it's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, but if you have low estrogen, um, estrogen really helps keep the walls of the vagina um, strong um, and mu mucosal uh, mm -hmm. integrity. So if you've got low mucosal integrity, the walls of the vagina can get a little thin and a little bit more delicate and they can become that you can get abrasions. You can get some irritation from having a pessary in there all the time. That's why we we talk so much about using a topical estrogen cream with a pessary because that helps avoid that tissue breakdown in the walls of the vagina, which can lead to, to other problems. So it's really important that we do tell women that they need to have regular checkups, you know, at least every six months so that your doctor can go in and do a speculum check and really just have a look at the integrity of the walls of the vagina, make sure there's no irritation, there's no blistering, there's no sign of any breakdown. Yeah. Um, and, and then you can continue on your merry way. Okay, perfect. And then my last question for you is about the possibilities of using, for example, collagen peptides, collagen supplementation. I know collagen, when you take it internally, it goes where your body needs it. It's not necessarily going to be directed directly to your pelvic region, but I, I am curious if you've ever come across, have you come across any studies that have looked into collagen supplementation and pelvic health? I haven't either. No, no. I, I wish that there were some out there. I think that that would be an amazing place to go as far as diastasis recti repair, pelvic health, et cetera. But what are your kind of initial gut reactions on collagen supplementation? Unfortunately, there's no evidence to support it. Okay. Okay. Um, so what we do know is that the building blocks of good collagen formation are um, vitamin C. Yes. So fruit and vegetables mm -hmm. and uh, good protein intake. And I think particularly good plant-based protein sources, um, because if we're looking at balancing out that omega-3, omega-6 ratio, uh, looking at plant-based protein is, 
is really going to punch above its weight because it's also going to give you the extra fiber um, without the inflammatory effects of heme iron. So generally optimizing good sources of protein, uh, good sources of vitamin three, getting your omega-3s in, making sure you're able to absorb what you're eating is actually probably more important because if your digestive system isn't functioning optimally, if you're not absorbing those nutrients as they move through the stomach and the small intestine before they go into the, the waste disposal of your large intestine, then you know it, they're not really doing you as much good as they should. So just really taking your time, slowing down, chewing your food, making good food choices yeah. um, probably has a little bit more of an evidence base than collagen supplementation, to be honest, um, mm -hmm. at the moment. Mm -hmm. There really just isn't a body of evidence to support it. The theory is good, mm -hmm. but the evidence isn't there yet. Yeah. Generally, the evidence behind soft tissue recovery yeah. is, is skewed towards a healthy whole food, primarily plant-based diet, you know, a Mediterranean style diet, if you like, mm -hmm. um, where you are getting your healthy fats in, you're getting plenty of vitamin C um, and we're staying away from processed and ultra processed foods, which we know are pro-inflammatory. Yeah. So I think just getting the, the big rocks of nutrition, right. Making sure you're drinking enough water because yeah. oftentimes, you know, we see women with stress incontinence linked to prolapse that they start restricting fluid. Mm -hmm. And of course that's a disaster in terms of bladder irritation, but also constipation, which ironically will make the prolapse worse. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, okay, perfect. This is amazing. Red light therapy, anything quick to say on that? I've heard great things about it, but I've also heard kind of the same as collagen. Not a yeah, lot of evidence. Anecdotal. But anecdotal. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Nothing, nothing really solid that I'm aware of yet. Okay, perfect. Michelle, this has been amazing. Is there anything you'd like to leave people with about pessaries or about anything that we've covered? Yeah. Um, ask for better service. If you're yeah. not happy with what your healthcare provider is telling you, ask for better service um, or switch providers because there is no reason for you to be dismissed or shuffled off to surgery straight away without exhausting all the conservative options. And to be honest, even if you do end up having surgery, the better shape you are going into surgery from a pelvic perspective, but a whole, whole body perspective, the better your outcomes are going to be. Yes. Preach it. I, I love that message. I also say that a lot. So thank you again. And where can people connect with you? You have so much amazing information that you share. How can they find out more? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on YouTube. You can find me on my website, Celebrate Newly Eberty. I don't see patients at the moment. I'm primarily focused on educating other physios. But, you know, I try to post as much information on both my social media channels and on the website and on YouTube as I can. So come in and have a look around. Hey, hey, thank you so much for listening to the entire interview with Michelle. Wasn't that amazing? I learned so much from talking with her. But before I end the show, I want to just share something that I received from a member of my Fem Squad community. Now, my Fem Squad group is a private Facebook group, which is just, it's the best group ever. And it's one of the things you have access to if you check out my Lift 
bundle or the Lyft Bundle VIP. So all of the information about Lyft is in the show notes. But those who join my Fem Squad community, which is part of the Lyft Bundle, um, we really just interact every day. I'm in the, the Facebook group interacting with folks. I do a group coaching call once a month. It's just a lot of fun. But one of the gals in the group wrote a, a post and she gave me permission to share it publicly. And so I'm not going to say her name, but I am going to read what she said. And it has to do with pessaries. And so I'm going to read that to you right now. Here it is. She says, good morning, everyone. Can I just get this off my chest? I was three months postpartum in March, 2020, when I felt my prolapse shift. My PT first didn't believe me. Uh, I couldn't go to my gynecologist and was reassured through the phone that she couldn't do much and I just needed to do more physical therapy. I felt blown off. I wanted a diagnosis. I was looking in the mirror every day trying to figure out if this bulge was my bladder, my rectum, or my uterus. My PT gave me the advice to go to a urogynecologist. She gave me the diagnosis of a cystocele grade 2 and the options of a pessary or surgery. One pessary fitting, which was a ring with support. I went home, I had to try it. I didn't know how it should feel, but I said it was too big when I went back. Instead of trying a smaller one, she was convinced that a smaller one would slip out. So we tried a cube for more comfort, which didn't sound logical to me because it gives even more pressure and I already had ulcers from the ring. But the funny thing is she ordered a cube based on the measurements of the ring. Then she said that this this was my only option. So I ordered one on the internet, which was smaller since she wouldn't listen and didn't help me further. It felt better. I felt it less. A ring with no support in the middle. I just needed something to support me so I could lift our baby girl, dance with her, and just do my work on the same level as before, standing and running around. I did make an appointment for a third opinion, only possible in March 2021, and hope I feel good with this doctor to give me a further follow-up and guidance for a second pregnancy, if this is still possible. Anyway, since December, I'm back to working full-time, had more physical trouble, back pain, feelings of heaviness, even though I had the ring. So I went back to doing some research, pessary fitting, pessary fitting, etc., and ordered another, again, a smaller one with support in the middle through my pharmacist this time. And now, one year postpartum, I have the feeling I have the right fit. So this is how it should feel, really? But I lost a lot of time and made it worse because of my job. Since a few months ago, also trying to fine-tune my body for a second pregnancy, the muscles have grown grown stronger, most definitely, but I was putting a lot of work and time into it. It just feels like I could have been a lot farther into this process. Essentially, she's saying if she'd only been listened to right away. Then she says, I advise everyone to listen carefully to your body, be critical for everything that everyone says, especially in the medical field, and ask yourself from time to time, does it feel like I can do something more to see some kind of improvement? This was my feeling. I love this tuning in I learn here, and she's talking to you about Fem Squad and Lyft. Sorry for this long post in my English. I was very frustrated about this issue. You really need to stand up for yourself and sometimes take things into your own hands. If they don't listen, they can't help. Thank you for always listening, Dr. Bree. So I just wanted to share that with you simply because this woman went on such a journey. Um, And I just think it's tragic how she absolutely wasn't listened to. She kept telling her doctor, it's too big. It's too big. And they, they weren't listening. They weren't willing to really sit and work with her and help her. And she ended up having to try multiple things on her own and finally found, you know, a better fit, something that was going to hopefully work for her. But anyway, the point is things uh, are, are improving for her, but 
she did have to go through a lot to find that. And I'm hoping that you listening to this particular podcast, this interview with Michelle, with all these questions and answers, I really hope that this is going to give you the ability to make good decisions for yourself and to advocate for yourself if your doctor isn't listening to you. When you're armed with knowledge, you're going to be more empowered to speak up for yourself and to, you know, ultimately get the right fit and get the right decision and get the right tool for you. So that's how I'll end it. Thank you for listening all the way till the end. And again, check the show notes if you need any more information about Michelle, about my lift program or anything else. So thanks so much. And we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. And if this podcast was helpful for you today, please share it with a friend. Tell them, you know, what you learned and how it's going to be helpful and amazing for them to talk about this stuff. Don't forget to subscribe and also check the show notes for all the links you need, including how to follow me on Instagram and YouTube. And until next time, remember, you don't have to be an expert, but every woman should know a bit. We'll see you next time.